The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful. Before the word of God became prominent, and I mean after Christ had lived on the earth, died and gone, before the word became prominent, the word, of, the word that Christ taught. And in most places, before they ever had the word, I mean our societies, before we ever had the word of God come so powerful and people began to serve God or worship God as he ought to be worshipped. What we, what we had is similar to what we read here in Acts chapter 8 verse 9. We had the magicians, we had the fetish and the voodoo priests. The magicians, the fetish priests, and the voodoo priests, they were the people who ministered or served the people every now and then. If you wanted protection, you, you, you wanted a magician or the fetish or the voodoo priest, and he gave you something. And there was really no commitment to them apart from you going with your sheep, goat, cow, or whatever that you can give them. And sometimes they ask for certain things like eggs, human hair, a little piece of cloth. They ask for such weird things. But that was the order of the, of the day. Then, the word of God began to be preached. And the truth began to dawn in societies. And what happened? The work of the magicians and the fetish priests and the voodoo people began to go down. Just like in Acts chapter 8 verse 9. The work of the Voodoo people went down. No one was coming to the magician for his magical powers. People were no longer going to the fetish priests for, you know, all those incantations and the dancing around they used to do. You know, they'll dance around you, put some powder on you and give you some stuff to put under your pillow and all that. People were not attending those places anymore. 
So they realize that their jobs, they've lost their jobs. And they used to wear straw-like skirts, have white paint on their faces, make themselves so scary when you come to them, you really sense the awness of their presence. And before they tell you something, they will dance around you a, a, a little bit. All those things were, I guess, gimmicks, part of, you know, the game. But when they realize that the church has come, the word of God is being preached, they are losing their customers. They decided, let's reinvent ourselves. So now the fetish priest now became a pastor, put away his straw-like skirts, wipe their faces, get themselves nice haircuts, put some rings on their hand, put tie on, some put clerical, some put cassocks. They reinvented themselves and they hired buildings called church buildings and they decided to function by the same operations. So it's a big church. Forgive me if I use your name. I don't intend to. The church of the three disciples, something like that. Or the church of the three holy angels, something like that. Just to be very general. So you think it's a church and then you go in. By the same practices. Same practices. Unfortunately, and this is the thing, unfortunately, the world calls that church. But we who know the truth know that is no church. So the world has come to the point where they think that those things are churches, and when they are talking about church, they talk about that. So the church seems to be nothing in their eyes. It looks like the church has become so bad, painted bad, because we've got fetishes, fetish priests, voodoo priests, and magicians acting as men or women of God. And of course, whatever you start, you will get followers. And so they have followers. So sometimes you will hear so-and-so has gone for power from here and they've killed a dead, a dead body and they put it under the, under, the, under the church and it's attracting people. And the more the maggots grow from a dead body, the more people come in. And say, ah, what, 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 what has happened to the church? Hey, nothing ain't happening to the church. The church is moving forward. That ain't the church of God. That's a fetish house. Let's call them by their names. Let's call them by their names and what it is. I've really spent time praying, so don't worry. I know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. So because of that, the church has gotten a bad name, but I believe in the church. This is the title of my message. I believe in the church. 
I believe in the church of the living God. And I ain't no fetish and no voodoo priest and no magician. And there are many genuine ministers of God in the land and everywhere and almost everywhere. But there were also charlatans, fetish priests, and voodoo men and magicians who put on suits, cassock, and clericals. And unfortunately, they also labeled pastors and churches. But the thing is, should we stop because of that? No. We ought to be there so we can show the difference. Hallelujah. We ought to be there. So we can show the difference. You see. Praise Jesus. God is merciful. Hallelujah. In the church of God. Christ is the head. Amen. Amen. Christ is the head. And we serve with great zeal and commitment because we love God. I'll say it again. In the church of God, Christ is the head. And we his people, we serve with zeal, great zeal. Let me qualify it. Great zeal and commitment because we love God. Full stop. That's it. The world will think what it wants to think because we have fetish houses still in our day today. But we believe in the church. I believe in the church that Christ died for. I believe in the church that Christ shed his blood for. I believe in that church. I do not agree with those who condemn the church. I don't agree. Why? Because Christ said, I will build my church. Christ is building his church, and I believe in that church. But I want to identify fetish houses, voodoo houses, and magicians for who they really are. And the church of God for what it is. Hallelujah. I'm not skeptical. Scammers will not make me lose my confidence in a, in a, in a church. There will always be scammers. But the living God, the church of the living God remains the church of the living God. You see, some people talk about the church as if they gave birth to, to the church. The church is sinful. The church is, I say, hey, no. The church that Christ built is marching on. And it will continue to march on. Why? Because Christ is empowering it. And we are rising up in strength and in power of the Holy Ghost. We will not be stopped. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, it is true that in the local church, we will have people, you know, 
some, sometimes having challenges and issues and falling down and people having some weaknesses. Yes, but hey, we correct and we encourage ourselves and we move on. Personally, personally, I do not believe that if a true man of God or a true child of God has a problem, I don't believe in publicizing it. Why? Because David teaches me in the Bible. When Saul and Jonathan died on the same day, David wrote and said, let it not be published in Askelon. Let it not be published in Gath. For the mighty has fallen. Let it not be published. But today people think it is all right. If there are issues, yes, we will deal with it ourselves. Praise God. The world has no business with the church. I believe in the, in the church. But I'm saying, let's make a difference between magicians, fetish and voodoo priests, and true ministers of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's make a difference. You see, I believe in a church. Why do I do? I believe because in the church, the word of God is taught. And the word of God, when it is taught, something happened. First Peter chapter 1. Sorry, 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, please. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. In 1 Timothy 1 verse 5, the apostle says that the end, now, the end of the commandment is what? Charity, that's love. Out of a pure heart. And of a good conscience. And of faith on faith. That is pure faith. Unpretended faith. So, you see, in the church of the living God, something happens. We grow in love. Growing a good conscience towards God, and we grow in faith. Hallelujah. Our conscience are made alive. We have a living conscience, not dead consciences. Not people who can take a knife and stop them and say, Well, you die like a dog. No! It's a human being. God's image can't speak like that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You see, that's my intro. Now I'd like to say something very important to us. We all sitting here today, we have histories. You have a history? I have my history. I mean, we all have histories. But, I want to make mention of two major histories in the world today. There is a general human history. And there is also God's salvation history. Oftentimes, people look at human history and they go, if there's a God, where is he? If there's a God, where is he? 
And then they go back. Second World War. First World War. Blah, 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 blah. And, they, and then they say, they, 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 they go back and they, and they say all those examples telling us that, you see, if God was there, where is he? But yes, there is a God. And he is the almighty God. But there is human history. And there is God's salvation history. And the two seem to be running parallel along the same line. But guess what? When God needs human history to bow to him, he stops it and interjects it with his, whatever he wants to do. <laughs> uh, come on. Are you with me this morning? Human history, things are going on. You are doing your own thing. We are all contributing to, to we are all contributing in our normal in our normal life with a, with a, with a human he, history. But and God's salvation history is still ongoing. You see, God has a great victorious plan right from the Genesis, which He's unfolding, and it's unfolding, and He doesn't stop. God does not stop. Christ said, "My Father works, so I also work." So God is on that journey. And when he needs human, human, to, you know, human history to, to stop and do something, he stops it and interjects his plans. He's in control. Praise God. This is what we see in the book of Ezra. Now in chapter 1, Ezra chapter 1. In Ezra chapter 1, we see Cyrus, who is a heathen king. He's not a Jew. Has nothing to do with God, right? That's humanly speaking. Cyrus comes on the scene, and then Cyrus says that God, <coughs> what were his phrases? He says, The Lord God of heaven, he calls him the Lord God of heaven. He says, the Lord God of heaven has commanded me to build him a temple in Jerusalem where his name will be worshipped. Now, every Jew whose heart, sorry, now every Jew should get himself back to Jerusalem and build God's temple. And now everyone everywhere under, in, my, in my empire, if you find anybody going to Jerusalem to build, give them resources so they can go and build God's temple. Go and release them. But prior to that, we have Israel being overcome by different kings. And you see, so Babylon had, God, Israel has sinned, yes. <coughs> and through Jeremiah, he had prophesied that they will be in exile for 70 years. So that has happened. And they're in captivity. In this captivity, they've forgotten about everything. Then comes Cyrus. So Cyrus comes to defeat Babylon. And when Cyrus defeats Babylon, he takes over the Israelites because they were under Babylon's con con control. And when Nebuchadnezzar took Israel from Palestine, he took also all the treasures that were in the house of God took everything into his temple of idols and kept them there. Cyrus comes and then Cyrus says, hey, everyone, go back. Verses 3 and verse 4, please. 
Sarah says, Who is there among you all his people? Let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel, that he is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the man of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And then in the verse 8, it says, Even those did Cyrus king, okay, sorry, verse 7. And also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem and had put them into the house, in, in, sorry, in the house of his God. Even though the Cyrus, king of Persia, bring forth by the hand of Mithridath, the treasurer, and numbered them even unto Sheshbazzar, the prince of Judah, to take to Jerusalem, to build a temple, and to put the treasures back in the, in the temple, as it used to be. Because God has ordered it. Praise the Lord. Are you with me so far? Praise Jesus. So we see, what we see here is this. God preserved those vessels. Let me tell you something here. When Nebuchadnezzar took those vessels to Babylon, other he went off the scene, other, other people came. Then came one of his sons, grandsons called Belshazzar. Belshazzar, he decided this golden cups and golden spoons and all that, they've been here for, you know, they are the God of Israel. But we, our gods have conquered him. So why still keep them as something precious? Bring them. Let's drink from them. They are nothing. <laughs> but he did not realize that God had kept those treasures for himself. He had plans for them to go back into the temple in, in Jerusalem. Now let me tell you, the temple is a representation of the presence of Almighty God. Hello? The temple, the physical temple, is a representation of the presence of Almighty God. So it is significant. Belshazzar decided to drink from those cups. Huh. And that, that evening, as he was doing it, a hand appeared from nowhere, started writing on the wall. Many, many, tackle off our scene. And he blew his mind and all his magicians, nobody could interpret it until Daniel came. And Daniel said, uh, King, unfortunately, you knew all that your father went through, but you purpose in your heart to still be wicked towards this God of heaven. And now he's saying he has weighed you in the balance. And actually, you have been found wanting. So tonight, you won't live. Tonight, you die. Like play, like joke. Cyrus attacks that same night and kills him. And now later on, Cyrus says, God says, I must build him a temple. Now, all these treasures take back to the house of God. Hallelujah. Because God knew that these vessels, they are coming back. They go nowhere. They are mine. And I give to no heathen group. They are mine for my worship. I'm a jealous God. 
And I won't give my treasures to any other so-called gods. God have mercy. Praise God. So he says, let's rise up. Go and build the temple of the living God. Go and build a sanctuary that represents the presence of Almighty God. Go and build it because God needs it in Jerusalem. Go and do that. And the people rose up and they went to build the house of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. What am I saying? When God's word comes to build his house, let's hear the voice and let's move. Praise Jesus. For the temple or the physical house is a sanctuary for spiritual worship. If I bring it this day, the church today is that physical representation that there is a God. Hallelujah. God's people come together, give a representation of the worship of Almighty God. Take the church away, and who worships God? I believe in the church. I believe in the church. Remove the church. Do away with the church. Say, forget a, forget a church. And the chaos that we will see in our day, only God knows. You see, the church in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and the fifth verse, Paul says, Timothy, I've left you in charge so that you will take care of things in the church. Take care of things in a, in a, in a church. Because it is a ground and the pillar of what? Truth. Take care of things. Because it is a ground and pillar of truth. So if there is truth anywhere, the church of God is that thing. We stand for the ground. Because if you move a church, there is no truth anywhere else. God have mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So let's hear God's voice and let's move on. Then in Ezra chapter 3, when the exiles returned to Jerusalem, you know, to, to, to build a temple, they put things in place. They have their worship. They have the uh, seventh month celebration. But then in verse 10 of, the, of, of chapter 3, they begin to lay down the foundation stone of a temple to build. And something happens in verse 10 to 13. Let's read it. And when the builders laid the foundation of a temple of the, of the Lord, they set the priests in, in the upper row with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, and the, with the symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together the cause 
in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. Because, for, because he is good, for his mercies endured forever towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of our Lord was laid. Then verse 12. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house, oh my goodness, when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice. They wept actually, with, a, with a loud voice. Oh, mommy. <laughs> they wept with a, with a loud voice. God Almighty, have mercy. They wept. That was how passionate they were. They wept. And why did they weep? But, and many shouted. Verse 13. So that the people could not discern the noise of the shouts of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. Because they were saying, goodness me. They wept. Why? Why they were weep- the reason why they were weeping was that if you check chapter 2, I didn't read chapter 2. Chapter 2 records the, the, the names and numbers of all those who came. Now if you check the priests, the singers, and the porters who formed the Priestly family. When you check their number, there were only 341. Right? Present to build this new temple unto God Almighty. Right? But in the days of Solomon, the number of the priests was 24,000 present. So you can imagine... When they lift their voice and they say, For the Lord is good. And then they, they, they respond, For his mercies endure it forever. You could hear the resounding, the sounding of the voices of people like, like a mighty sea roar. Also, David had prepared, remember? David had prepared very well for Solomon to build the temple. Hadn't he? There was the gold, there was the water. Bible says that in the days of Solomon, gold was like stones, normal stones on the ground. Silver, forget about silver. It was gold. But here, they only had very little. So they looked at it and they worked with a loud voice. But then, the younger generation who had not seen the old temple, or had anything about it. They were excited that, hey, finally, hallelujah, finally, we've had a temple of God. We are building God's temple. The foundation has been laid. And the presence of Almighty God. Don't forget, the physical building was a representation of the presence of Almighty God. Same as the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. Hallelujah. The pillar and the ground of truth. Praise God. What are we saying here? Had it not been for the, the people who were rejoicing, for those who were rejoicing, the, the loud bitter cry would have discouraged the whole congregation. Even though something great, great was happening. God was doing something new. 
by the people who saw that old glory. Look at this one and say, ah, what is this? This is nothing. What we're going to do is just, let's forget it. This is nothing. Hey, don't weep. What's the principle here? The principle is this. Do not weep over what you see now. Why do I say this? We have an understanding of what happened here in Haggai, chapter 2, verse 1 to 9. When you go to Haggai, chapter 2, verse 1 to 9, Haggai will say something like this. He says, Haggai recalls the same thing that we see here in Ezra, chapter 3. But, the Lord says something. He says something in chapter 2, verse, let me take it from the verse 3. He says, who is left among you that saw this house in, it, in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes as comprising of it as nothing? And that's exactly what they saw. It was nothing, so they wept. Yet now, be... Oh, come on. Yet now, be strong. Be strong. Be confident. Why? Be strong. Oh, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people, all you people of the land, all you con con congregation, be strong. Saith the Lord, and work, and do what? And be strong, and work. Why? Because, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. You are missing out on gold, missing out on people, but I, God, I am with you. And Moses knew the power of God with you. Moses knew the power of God. So when God said, Moses, my angel will go with you. God said, Moses said, uh, God, if your presence goes not with us, send us not forth. I hear God is saying, I am with you. I am more than everything you would ever need. Let's go on. And then he says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. Work. I am with you. And do not fear. Hallelujah. Amen. For thus says the Lord of hosts. Yes once. A little while. I will shake the heavens. And the earth. And the sea. And dry land. And I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house. With glory, says the Lord. And he says, why are you wondering? Why are you so upset? Why are you weeping? Why are you sorrowing? Why are you so disturbed? Isn't that silver mine? Isn't that gold mine? Couldn't I have given you gold or silver? But at this time, I don't need gold and silver. At this time, I'm doing something different. Yes, I am rebuilding the temple, but I'm doing something different. It's not about gold, not about silver, not about the... Magnificence and then outward excellence, but something else is, is happening. My glory. I'm filling this house with my glory. Previously, you saw the glory of gold, but now you're going to see the glory of 
And then in verse 9, those immortal words. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace. Say it, the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. The glory of this house shall be greater than the former. God is saying, the glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, God wants us to be confident. Wants us to be confident that sometimes we look at our weakness, physical weak, our weak weaknesses, and then we consider how the ancient believers serve God. How they move in the power of God. And they wonder, are we ever going to be able to ever get there? You know, it looks like things are going down. You know, it, it, it used to be good in, in those days. But now, look, now, now the church is all messed up. And hey, no. God is saying, the glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Only be strong. Only be confident. Don't let your physical weaknesses, don't let the things you see around discourage you. Rather, be strong where? Be strong in me. Hallelujah. Let's become strong in God's word. The world will throw all it, all it has against us. The world will do everything it can. But hey, church, let's be strong. The world will do its worst. It has always done that and it will always do that. But let's be strong, God says. Be strong. For the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. Let me tell you something. Oftentimes, we look back at the prophets. Look back at the apostles. And they will say things like, you see, they were able to move, move in, the, in the power of God. But why are we not? Do you know why? We are discrediting ourselves because our physical weaknesses. Because our, our, our little, little shortcomings. Do you know why I say that? James 5 verse 17. What does James 5 verse 17 say? Is it James 5 17 or James 5 7? What, what does it say? James 5 17. The Bible says that Elias. Elias was a man like us. Subject with like passions. That means that the same passions... Weaknesses that we have, our downside, you know, our, our weaknesses. He had the same things, but yet he was able to move in the power of God. Why? Because his trust was not in his weaknesses. He was not looking down at his weaknesses, but he was trusting in the power of God to do what he said he will do. Can I preach to you? Move your confidence. From what you can do and what you can do by your own self. Move your confidence from yourself into what God's word can do. Move your confidence into what God alone can do. Stop depending upon your environment and your limitations and put your trust in Almighty God. He who makes a way where there seems to be no way. 
Put your trust in him. Say, I am not intellectual. I have not gone to these heights. I have not got this degree. Forget about that and put your confidence in God Almighty. If you need it, he will bring you through it. Hallelujah. But if God wants you to work and you don't have that, it means you don't need it to do what he wants you to do. So go ahead, trust him and get his job done. Praise God. Hallelujah. What I've learned so far in my years of working with the Lord, what I've learned is that God does not look for perfect vessels. He takes them and he makes them. He takes vessels and he, and he, and he puts in his best in them. Don't wait to become all perfect, prim and proper. Hallelujah. I have become a better Christian as I've been going on along the years, I would say. Things I know now, things I wouldn't stoop low to. Years ago, I used to, I, I, I used to stoop low to those things. But now I won't stoop to, to those things anymore. We grow. Ask me, a person who has made more mistakes than, 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 than anyone else. And I'll show you, you are looking right at that person. I believe I have made the worst mistakes more than any of you here in this room. I believe that. That's why he called me to preach to you. To encourage you. That you are better. You are far better. You haven't made the errors that he has made. So I'm telling you, be encouraged. Rise up. And don't sit down in any minute anymore. Lift yourself up. Shake the dust off yourself. And say, God, I'm rising up to the challenge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. say this let's not use our out this is, this is a principle let's not use our outward weaknesses to discourage ourselves and let's not weep you might have prayed it still didn't go out right still keep on praying because God is a good God don't give up praying hello he said, oh, but pastor, I prayed and I fasted and then it still went bad. So you see, I don't know whether God, I, I don't, God doesn't like me. Hey, he loves you to bits. That's why he hung on that cross for you. Hello? Can I preach to you? The nail, the nail that went through his feet. That's six feet inch nail. He accepted it because of you. So he will break the power of guilt and shame upon you completely. The Paul will now tell you late, 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 later on. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No shame. Yes, weaknesses. Elias had them. 
Elias had them too. <laughs> Name one. And I tell you, David, you all know already. David had his. Paul, yes, he had his. Peter, yes. Mark, who wrote the gospel, yes, had his. Almost everyone had their physical or personal weaknesses. Their trust was in God's strength. God's strength, God's power. But I see the good news is the people continued to build the temple of God, which is a symbolism, a, a symbol, which symbolizes the presence of, of the presence of Almighty God. But as they were building, as usual, chapter 4. Chapter 4 says, There came what? There came chapter 4, verse 1. Ezra 4, verse 1, please. Ezra 4, verse 1. I'm running through Ezra chapter 1 to 6. Ezra chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, from this time forth, I will, I will, for, for the sake of simplicity, I will call them Israel, right? Te technically, no. But I will, I, will, I, will, I will call them Israel. So, when the adversaries of Israel realized that the temple was being built, what did they do? They came to them and said, can we build with, with you? And what did Israel say? Israel said, no, we will not build with you. Go away. You have no part amongst us. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad they did that? See, why did they not ask? Why did they not allow them to help them? These people, I want to call, they were the mixed people. I will explain what the word mixed means. They were mixed because when the Assyrian king, Isahadan, conquered Israel, what he did was this. He took majority because he wanted to destroy Israel completely. He wanted to arbitrate Israel. <laughs> His plan was to wipe clean Israel from the face of the earth. So he took majority of them. Like some people try to wipe the church off the face of the, of the earth completely. But Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he took majority of them to Assyria and left a few of them in Palestine. And guess what he did? Isadon, Isadon, then brought foreigners who were pagan, well, like pagan worshippers, right? Brought them into, Samaria, into the land of Samaria. Brought them there. Left them there for them to intermarry. As they intermarried, the worship of God was, was contaminated. Like Solomon, married so many wives, now the wives began to tell her, him how to worship his God. Or oh, why don't you add this idol here? Why don't you put, and he began to listen to, to them. So exactly, the same thing happened to these people. And Isahadon's plan worked. It worked because the worship of God was, was contaminated. The Israelites no longer had pure worship of God. It was mixed up with pagan practices and paganistic ideas. 
And this was the very thing that put Israel into slavery and bondage. So when they came and said, let's help you build, said, no, 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 no. Because if we admit you, you will corrupt us with your bad worship. So go away from you. Go away from us. Hey, as we are building God's church, we will have foreign value, worldly values. The world will want to push its values upon us. But we reject them. They will come in corny, conniving ways. Isn't our God a God of love? So God loves everybody. Yes, he does. Then let's love everybody. Yes, we, we love everybody. Yes, so God says we should love everybody. So I can love everybody. Yes. So I love my wife and I also love my friend whom I work with, who is a male. Uh, so I'm a man and I love my boy who's a friend, my, my friend who's a boy or who's a, who's a man. I'm a girl and I still love these ones too. So now we have what? We have he, she, and shim. Now we say, don't say he, say they, say them. Let's no longer refer to these things as anything anymore. And let them come to the house of God and let's bless their wedding ceremony. So that in one generation, if we allow them, they will stop God's earth creation. They will stop it in one or, one or two generations. Let's allow them. And let all those who can marry with man and woman marry to produce children, let them all stop. And in one, gener one or two, two, two generations, the world will come to a halt. Because Okay, leave it there. Praise God. So, values and principles and ideas that are contrary to the principles of God's word. Let's reject them. Let's reject them. Let's not make room for them. Let's not let the world detect how God's church should move forward. World, we are coming to get you to Christ. We're not going to leave you alone. We are coming to get you to Christ. You won't get us to yourself. Because light always conquers darkness. Wherever light appears, Darkness departs. And that's what we are. Hallelujah. So in chapter 4, these enemies, when they couldn't have their way, do you know what they did? Guess what? The Bible says, even though Cyrus gave the command, hello, even though Cyrus gave the command for them to build, in the days of Cyrus, Dairos and Artaxerxes, these enemies continued to trouble them. It was in the days of Artaxerxes, the third one, that some guys rose up and they decided to send a letter to 
at Azazis. And said, there is this group here who is building the city of Jerusalem again. Check the historical accounts and you will notice that they are a rebellious people. No nation has, has ever had it easy with them. And it is true because God, God made them powerful. So when the king went to... So if you allow them, they will not pay any, any tribute to you. And that's always the, the, the catch. They always use economics, money, to always to get people. King, check. And don't allow these people. You see, we benefit from your resources. So we don't want you to have any loss. So check. And when they check, yes, Israel had been a trouble to many nations. Stop the building. So Artaxerxes said, stop the work. No building of the temple. Stop it. And the Bible says the work ceased. The work ceased. Why? Verse 24. Chapter 4 of verse 24. Then ceased Ezra 4, 24. Then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. It ceased. God have mercy. But it was finances. It was the money. The world does not see the value of the church. Why? What money does the church bring us? Ask yourself. What money does the church bring us? Do they bring any cigarettes to, to sell so we can tax it? They are charity. 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 Oh, close it. Of no benefit to us. But the world does not realize that the church produces godly men and women. People with conscience. The church produces People who have love in, love for humanity, conscience, and godliness. And that is why the society is still standing. When the church says it's wrong, this lifestyle. Is destructive. They say no. You are people of hate. You don't love us. We want to be free. I've always said this. If governments, if governments anywhere know the truth, the philosophy. Of that LGBT group, they will hold them in the in the minute they get to know. Their agenda is that we want to be free of any rule. We want to be free of any no not not that's the whole agenda. I want to be free to do what I want to do, freedom. So I want to be free to take your little boy or girl. And do with him or her whatever I like, and you should not have the right to say anything about it because it's my freedom. 
God have mercy. And that is the truth about the group. But yet, they hide under the guise free to express myself. When I was a little boy, I used to play with dolls, so I'm a girl. How does playing with dolls decide your gender? Who told you that playing with dolls decide gender? And when you were even little, you didn't have any even idea about gender? When your mom told you it was your skin. God have mercy. The world has got it wrong and the church has got it right. And let's be strong in what God is doing through us. Praise God. Then, quickly, in chapter 5, in chapter 5, the prophets, <laughs> I love these prophets. Hallelujah. The prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, Hallelujah. They rose up. God stirred your hearts and assembled the people. And they said, rise up and begin to build. Again. I have already given you the command through Cyrus. I won't give it again. So rise up and build. And they got up to build. And as they were building, that's nine. That man also came and said, why are you building this house? And they said, we. Their response was, we are the servants of Almighty God. Look at, look at verse 3, chapter 5, verse 3 to verse 5. Put it together, please. And they said, we are the servants of God. That's in verse 10, verse 10 to, to, to verse 16. So 3 to 5, he asked them the question. 10 to 16, they give the response. We are God's servants and we are building this house which a great king called Cyrus asked us to build for God Almighty. So Tatnai decided, okay, Tatnai also wrote to, to Darius. Darius, these people say, Cyrus asked them to build. That, that, that's why they are building. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you want to hear the good news? Oh, do you want to hear the good news? Yes. You see, the enemy will always come up, especially when the word of God comes. The enemy will always lift his head. This is a principle you should know. Anytime you have God's truth, please be ready. The enemy will strike. Why? Not you. He wants God's word to fail. <laughs> it's not so much about you. Oh God, you don't love me. And no, no, no. It's, oh, come on. That's the that's the that, that's the decoy. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's always about God. He wants to discredit God. That His word is not true, and that He's not faithful. So guess what? Anytime God's word comes, and the enemy says, "Cease," press forward. Let's advance. Dust off your zeal. Dust off your love. 
dust off your commitment. Dust off all those dusty things. Get up and begin to build. God does not abort his plans because of human difficulties. God's plans continues. This is his word to us as a church. He continues his work. And in chapter 6, <laughs> chapter 6, Daniel does it. Darius does all the investigations. And then Darius comes up and he says, Now, that's nine. Governor over the border, hear me. The people who are building God's great house, make sure nobody stops them. Make sure nobody stops them. When you hear God's word and you move, he will move the hearts of people Hallelujah. to join with you. But if you sit down, then it will, it, will, it will be a proper sitting down. But get up and hearts will be stirred around you. Guess what? He says, not only should you not stop them, but also provide for them. Give them resources. Daniel said, provide for them. Make sure they have timber, have resources. Give them animals for the sacrifice in God's house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that is the working of God Almighty. There has always been opposition towards the church of the living God. But God is saying to us, be strong. Rise up and press forward. Press what? Forward. Press forward. And let me tell you something. Come with me. Because of my time, verse 21. Quickly. Verse 21. Verse 21. 621. 621 and 22. I'll show you something quickly. And the children of Israel of the captivity and children of Israel which were come again out of the captivity and all such as had and all such as had separated themselves unto, their, unto themselves from their fullness of the hidden land to seek the Lord God of Israel did eat right okay verse 22 verse 22 please verse 22 and kept the feast of unliving bread Seven days with? Seven days with? Oh, come on. Seven days with? Hallelujah. Praise God. Seven days with? Joy. Glory be to God. Seven days with joy. And for the Lord has made them what? Joyful. It is God himself that made them joyful as they put their hands into the work to press forward. God gave them joy. And Nehemiah 8 verse 10 tells us that the joy of the Lord 
is our strength. Are you hearing me today? And there's no joy in your heart. You are hearing me today, but there's no joy in your heart. It's one of two things. First, you don't know the Lord. You are not his own. You're not born again. You don't know him. So there's no joy in your heart. There's no gladness. Your life is full of frustration. You are upset with everybody. You are only happy for a little while. And it's back again. On the job, you are sad. With your children, you are sad. Husband, you are sad. With your grandmother, you are sad. With your mother, you are sad. Mother-in-law, you are sad. Almost everyone, sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, you don't like them. Basically, you are miserable. You lack God's joy. But if you change your mind and say, Lord God, I have been against you. But today I repent. I've seen your church and condemned it. But today I repent that the church that I see in my land is your work in our society to produce godly men and women to promote righteousness in my day. Today I repent. Forgive me God and save me. Or maybe you're born again all, all right but you have no part in God's work. You have no part in it. You see, you have this philosophy. I come to worship my God and I go. You don't even talk to anybody. You come in, you say, all, all I want is the word. So you only appear. You are born again, all right? But you only appear when it's time for the word. And the moment they say, Amen, pick your bag and you, and you go away. And you think that is being part of God's household. No. In the house of God, He also gives gifts. And those gifts serve Him. That your joy will spring up like the morning sun. Wake up. Rise up on your feet. And say, Lord, here am I. Here am I. Oh, if you're rising up, rise. If you're rising up, let's rise. We almost come to an end anyway. Rise and say, God Almighty, here, here, here I am. At your service, let your name be glorified. Let your name be glorified. Lord, you see, God gives joy to his people as they build his sanctuary of his presence.
God grants joy. And joy is your strength. God's church is very dear to his heart. And he wants us to get our hands in. Let's awake. Let's arise. Let's begin. Wherever you are hearing me. Maybe physically you can't make it to a place. But I call them and ask them, what can I do? I may not be physically present, but I want to do something that shows that I'm part of God's church. For God's church is His mighty arm, mighty force, in raising in raising godly men and women for his work I dare not trust the sweetest friend oh talk to him if you're in this house you want to pray and say Lord God Grant me the strength and the, I know in this house we've put ourselves together in this house we're serving in different areas and different capacities but you want to pray and say Lord grant me grace grant me increased grace strength to press on to press on Wherever you've been doing, whatever you've been doing, you want to praise the Lord God. That my zeal will be fired up. The revival that you are stirring up. I want to be in the leading role. Champion in it. Making sure it's burning bright in Britain. In the UK. I want to hold a torch of God. I want to shine your light. Talk to God. Talk to God. Yes. We are doing the work of God. But we want to praise the God. Strengthen me. Strengthen me. That I become more daring. I become more daring. I become more daring. Than Jesus blood and righteousness. I did not trust.
Trust the living God who's building his church for healing. He's still at work healing the sick. As he healed the sick on the streets of Galilee, he still heals today. Put your hand wherever it hurts, wherever there's pain. I pray that the sickness depart from your body. The diseases, all kinds of ailments, anything that makes you unwell, the Lord heal you right now. Receive the healing. Receive the healing. Receive the healing. Those disorders, 
receive healing. Oh, yes. That your joy be full. The Lamb upon the throne who reigns forever. Just take it. Just take it. Just take it. The Lord, I receive it. Whatever it is troubling your body or your mind, receive healing. The Lamb upon the throne who reigns I pray. The Lamb upon the throne who reigns forever. I pray that this word of God receive clarity and understanding in your heart. May all the pieces join together with understanding. And may you keep it. And may you walk in his truth. God bless you. God bless you, church. Amen. 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 God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I came here this morning with an expectation and I have received what I came here for. I hope that you have received what you came here for as well. Yeah. May the Lord bless us. May the Lord make us strong in that which he has called us to build and from henceforth let us progress with strength. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The word of God I must say to you is quick the word of God is living the word of God is not just a mere written text the word of God is living it's a living thing when the word of God proceeds when it comes out from the mouth of God as Matthew puts it when it comes out from the mouth of God it is a living and active word powerful able to effect change and change things it is not a dead letter God's word is living I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God 